Thank you, thank you, Chris, Josh. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for the opportunity we have to be together. We thank you for salvation in Jesus Christ. We thank you for your mercy to us. We thank you for the filling of the Holy Spirit, for the Word of God. We thank you for our church. We pray that we might be pleasing to you in all that we do as we seek to follow you, our glorious head. And we pray, Lord, for all of the ministries going on tonight, all of our, all of our work across the building tonight. We pray for our students as they meet with Brother Tim and, and Brother Ken as he leads with all of our children, preschool and children, and many of our adults studying in various kinds of Bible study materials tonight, the choir. We thank you for the chance that we have to be your people. We pray for those who can't be with us tonight. We pray for those who joined us online <clears throat> for this study in the book of Lamentations. We miss them. We miss those who cannot be with us. We pray for you to bring them back together to be with us when they can and as they can. We pray tonight for, for foster children uh, scattered uh, across the state of Tennessee and the workers who have to uh, care for them in times of transition for foster families who do so much and sacrifice for the sake of children. We pray for them. We pray for the government. We pray for our governor and all of the elected officials as they seek to uh, find some remedies. May, may you fill their minds with what it is that's best for these children. So we plead their cause tonight. You are the father of the fatherless and how we pray that you would, in miraculous ways will provide for these children in their greatest times of need. And we thank you that you will do it because you are that glorious and good, giving, caring, loving God. So now, Lord, as we come to your word, we pray that you might help us to look at your word clearly. May our eyes see beyond the words. May we see the truths that you have for us as it relates to how we suffer and in our sufferings, how you are, how you are there May we learn from the example of this godly man, Jeremiah, this prophet. We thank you for his testimony and for his suffering because it helps us to know and learn how we might suffer. We thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. You are the greatest and supreme example of suffering. And so we pray that we might seek to follow you in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so if you don't have the outline, they're available here. Good to see all of you tonight. May the Lord bless you. We're continuing in Lamentations chapter 3. And now we come to verses 58 through verse number 66. So tonight we'll finish chapter 3 and then begin to move on, Lord willing, in the days ahead. We saw last week that when we suffer, and if we suffer in righteousness, we, we, we process our grief and our sorrows. We talk to ourselves. We reflect in our own minds what's going on. We don't avoid our, our struggles. We talk about them. We, we, we think about them. And then we pray. And this is what Jeremiah did. He began to pray after he had spoken uh, to the Lord and after he'd spoken to himself and asked a number of questions as we've seen in detail can't go back over all of that, but then we read, beginning in verse number, uh, let's go up to verse 41 just to have some context. We lift up our heart and hands toward God in heaven. Uh, we have transgressed and rebelled, you have not pardoned. You have covered yourself with anger and pursued us, and you have slain and have not spared you have covered yourself with a cloud so that no prayer can pass through. You have made us mere offscouring and refuse in the, midst, in the midst of the peoples. All our enemies have opened their mouths against us. Panic and pitfall have befallen us, devastation and destruction. My eyes run down with streams of water because of the destruction of the daughter of my people. My eyes pour down unceasingly without stopping until the Lord looks down and sees from heaven. My eyes bring pain to my soul because of all the daughters of my city. 
My enemies without cause hunted me down like a bird. They have silenced me in the pit and have placed a stone on me. Water flowed over my head and I said, I am cut off. I called on your name, O Lord, out of the lowest pit and you have heard my voice. Do not hide your ear from my prayer for relief, from my, from my cry for help. You drew near when I called on you and you said, do not fear. Then we come to what we'll be looking at tonight. O Lord, now he continues to pray. You have pleaded my soul's cause. You have redeemed my life. O Lord, you have seen my oppression. Judge my case. You have seen all their vengeance, all their schemes against me. You have heard their reproach, O Lord, all their schemes against me. The lips of my assailants and their whispering are against me all day long. Look on their sinning and their rising. I am their mocking song. You will recompense them, O Lord, according to the work of their hands. You will give them hardness of heart. Your curse will be on them. You will pursue them in anger and destroy them from under the heavens of the Lord. Now, Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word. May the Holy Spirit be our teacher tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. O Lord, you have pleaded my soul's cause. You have redeemed my life. As he said in the verses just previous, I am cut off. I called on your name, O Lord, out of the lowest pit. Verse 56, you have heard my voice. Do not hide your ear from my prayer for relief, from my cry for help. You drew near when I called on you and you said, do not fear. What a, what a special joy it is when we pray and the Holy Spirit speaks to us from the Word of God and we are assured in our struggles and our suffering. I have three questions for you tonight as we begin. How should the Christian pray for those who do harm to them? That's really a very important question. How do we pray for those who harm us? How do we pray for those who are our enemies? We don't look for them to be our enemies, but they become our enemies. How do we pray for them? What does Jeremiah's suffering teach us about praying for our enemies? This is another really important question. And can Christians forgive their enemies and yet ask God to bring vengeance on them? Well, this becomes an extremely important question. I want us to realize here that uh, Jeremiah does speak of something personal in his prayer earlier. He says, my enemies, verse 52, he speaks of what his enemies were doing to him. Now, this is Jeremiah himself. This is Jeremiah himself. My enemies, notice he says, my enemies have, have hunted me like a bird. They've, they've hunted me down like a bird and they've silenced me. What is he? Is the preacher. Jeremiah is the preacher, the man of God. He's to preach and declare to Judah uh, their sins and to warn them of the judgment of God. But what did, what did his own people do to him? They silenced his preaching. And how did they silence him? They put him in a pit and they placed a stone on him. Waters flowed over his head and he said, I'm cut off. Notice it's in quotations, verse 54. And then again in quotations, you have heard my voice in the lowest pit. He's praying from the pit. And as he prays in the pit, he says, do not hide your ear from my prayer for relief from my cry for help. And then what does he hear? As he prays, I am cut off. He hears God say, do not fear. I want us to think about Jeremiah the man of God for a moment. And I want us to see how he was persecuted uh, as a preacher. And I'd, I'd like for you to turn before we elaborate, and I've given you several things here. I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Hebrews. Keep your place there in Lamentations 3. And I want, you to, I want to remind you that Jeremiah represents one of those great people who walk by faith. 
He lived by faith in God. He trusted God. He obeyed God and he believed and followed the Lord Jesus. Though he did not see him completely and clearly, he saw vaguely, as we learn from Peter and others, though he did not see it all, he was one of the prophets of God pointing toward the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, in many ways, Jeremiah, I believe, is perhaps along with Job, one of the primary examples that should be studied about suffering. Uh, Both of them far uh, inferior to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the one who teaches us righteous suffering completely. But Jeremiah is quite an example. But he was a man of faith. Let's go to Hebrews 11, beginning, and we're going to break in in verse number 32. And what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. And then he begins to describe the prophets The prophets and how they lived by faith, even though they were treated horribly. Who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection, and others were tortured, not accepting their release, so that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were, they were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated. Men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. And all these having gained approval through their faith did not receive what was promised because God had provided something better for us So that apart from us, believers in Jesus Christ, they, that is these Old Testament saints, would not be made perfect. So you see there was more to come. And yet, look what their faith led them to experience. Look what their faith gave them the ability to overcome. The early church speaks it by tradition, and uh, this, you know, they're speaking from rabbinic tradition. You can research it online if you'd like and study about it. But most likely, Jeremiah was stoned by his own people while they were all carried off to Egypt. They weren't in Babylon, they were in Egypt, and many of the early church fathers refer to Jeremiah being stoned by his own people. I want us to think about that for a moment. And there it is in Hebrews 11, 37. They were stoned, beaten to to death with rocks by his own people. Here's an example of what it means to walk by faith. This seems so strange to us American Christians. It seems so odd to us that there is this kind of walk with God that would bring such suffering. It just doesn't seem to fit our understanding of what it means. The the idea, I've said many times repeatedly, the heresy that if you get saved, everything's good and it'll just get better and better and you'll never have a problem has done great harm to people. So here are these men of God wandering around, no place to live, without adequate clothing, sawn in two, stoned, hunted down like animals, chained and imprisoned. 
We have much that we can learn from Jeremiah who suffered greatly. Now his prayer becomes very personal. How is Jeremiah going to pray for people who purposefully, his own relatives, punished him greatly? How is he going to pray? How do you pray when people do great harm to you? How are you going to, though you might not be, uh, some of our people in our church struggle. I've, I've been doing this a long time in my life as a pastor. So I sit with someone who's been physically abused in their life by another person. How do they pray for that person? What do they do? Others who've, been, who've suffered at the hands of other people in other ways. Much less, what do we do? How does, how does the Christian pray for people who mock us, ridicule us, and belittle us, and would do harm to us, some if they could, because we believe and follow Jesus? How do you pray for your enemies? The Lord said pray for your enemies. How do you do it? Well, we need an example. We know how the Lord Jesus prayed for his enemies, and we'll get to some of this and apply it in a little while, but we're going to use Jeremiah now for just a while and look at what he did. So if you've got the outline, he was persecuted. Notice I've, I've outlined for you some of the big moments in the book of Jeremiah where he was uh, persecuted. And I'm going to uh, read to you from Jeremiah 7 uh, because I want you to hear the beginning of his ministry. In, in Jeremiah 7, uh, we read these words that are uh, quite strong. This is Jeremiah 7, beginning in verse number 27. This is the Lord speaking to Jeremiah and calling him to his preaching ministry. Jeremiah 7, 27. You shall speak all these words to them. In other words, what he's been saying earlier. Here's what he's been telling him to preach. Verse 23, Obey my voice and I'll be your God. You'll be my people. You will walk in all the way which I commanded you, that it may be well with you. That's what the message was. Obey me and it will be well with you. Israel, Judah, obey me and it will be well with you. Obey my voice. I will be your God. I will be in relationship with you and it will be well with you. What a, good, what a good Old Testament gospel sermon this is. And you shall speak all these words to them, but they will not listen to you. God's people won't listen to God's prophet. God's people won't listen to God's prophet. And you shall call to them, but they will not answer you. You shall say to them, this is the nation that did not obey the voice of the Lord, their God, or accept correction. Truth has perished and has been cut off from their mouth. Cut off your hair and cast it away. This is the preaching of Jeremiah. Take a lamentation on the bare heights, for the Lord has rejected and forsaken the generation of his wrath. And then he goes on. Well, he was despised and he was not listened. No one listened to Jeremiah preach. And well on for 52 chapters. And many of these chapters uh, you can follow and read through in your Bibles. Many of them are highlighted at the top of your pages. You have the various preaching messages of Jer his prophecy, it would say, against. His prophecy against. His prophecy against. All of these are his, his preaching. This is the preaching of Jeremiah. 52 chapters. And he was never heard. No one heard him. No one responded. Only the Lord Jesus would know this greater. What did John say? He came to his own, and his own received him not. He came to God's people the Lord Jesus, as promised Messiah, and he was rejected and crucified. Well, he was beaten. He was beaten. In, 
In uh, Jeremiah chapter 20, if you're there still in Jeremiah, you can just flip over and I just would read a few uh, words to you. Jeremiah 20, you have Pasher the priest, the son of Imner. He was the chief officer in the house of the Lord. This is the priest of God. He heard Jeremiah preaching. And so the priest had Jeremiah the prophet beaten and put him in stocks that were at the upper Benjamin gate, which was by the house of the Lord. They jailed the preacher, the man of God, next to the house of God. This is the irony of his suffering. He was sentenced to death, Jeremiah 26, 11. As you uh, turn on over, you, you just follow this through. The, uh, you know, so there's a plot to murder him. And so the priests and the prophets, all the people heard Jeremiah speaking these words in the house of the Lord, Jeremiah 26, 7. When he finished speaking, all the Lord had commanded him, the priests and the prophets said, you must die. And then we read uh, these words. Uh, this man deserves the sentence of death because he prophesies against the city. His scroll of prophecy, he wrote his words. He wrote under inspiration in a scroll, prophecy, words of preaching. And we read of uh, these words being burned by the king. Jehudi had read three or four columns of the scroll from Jeremiah and King Jehoiakim, cut them off with a scribe's knife and threw them into the fire. I don't want to hear God's word, the king says. He takes a knife and cuts up the words of the prophet, the words of God, and throws them in the fire. He was imprisoned by the Chaldeans. In uh, chapter 36, you find these uh, words in chapter 36, verse 23. <clears throat> when Jehudi had read three or four of the columns, I'm sorry, that's, the, that's when he was, it was cut up. But in 37, verse 15, then the officials were angry at Jeremiah and beat him, and they put him in jail in the house of Jonathan the scribe, which they had made into a prison. And then he was thrown into a pit, left to die. These are the words that come from Lamentations. They put me in a pit. He was thrown into the pit, and we read in Jeremiah 38, 6, they took Jeremiah, cast him into the cistern. The cistern had no water, but only mud. And Jeremiah sank in the mud. What do you do with man, God's man who preaches the word of God? You, you silence him, says rebe rebellious Israel. You silence him because of their uncomfortableness of what he was saying. He was preaching the truth of God's word. Thus says the Lord. And they did not want to hear it. And so because of that, they sought to silence him. Jeremiah was a man. That's why he's called the weeping prophet. That's why his eyes were always filled with tears. That's why he was always sad and grieved. Because he was grieved <clears throat> to see God's people so hardened in heart and so idolatrous that they had no sensitivity to the truth of God's word. Does it grieve us to see those who say they are followers of Jesus live in open wickedness and godlessness in the world today? Does it grieve us when there are those who would do anything to avoid hearing preaching or teaching of the word of God who claim that they're Christians? This is the condition we find ourselves... You are neither hot nor cold, the Lord says to the Laodicean church. You are lukewarm. I spit you out of my mouth. 
So Jeremiah is a man who teaches us much, much about suffering because of what he experienced. And yet God kept him alive. And it is interesting to us that we do not have a record of his death. Because he, he lives on as a suffering prophet of God for our generation today. To teach us to walk by faith in our greatest sufferings. What was Jeremiah guilty of? He was guilty of listening to what God said, obeying his call, and declaring with fearlessness, thus says the Lord, to the powerful and the great and to the common men in Israel. And for that, he ended up in the middle of Israel. He ended up in the middle of Jerusalem. I, I, I cannot go back in the earlier parts of Lamentations. He's witnessing cannibalism. He's witnessing, he's witnessing death. Corpses everywhere. The Babylonians have cut the water off. They're just letting the city of Jerusalem implode. He's witnessing death all around. What none of us in this room have ever imagined, he saw. And yet he lived through. He witnessed the great judgment of God on Israel that led to Babylonian captivity. This is a man who knew great suffering. So we learn much about how to suffer righteously from him. So now he's come to pray. We've spent a lot of time in Lamentations, and if you're interested, you can go back on the website. You can look at all of the outlines and what we've done. I, I cannot go back and retrace all of this, but here we are. We're about to finish it. 66 verses. 66 verses. Beautiful poetry. This is, this is, this is a sacred poetry. Hebrew poetry. It's beautiful. It's inspired poetry. If we heard it in Hebrew, it would have its own uh, pace and pattern, but we read it in English, but that's okay. So what does he now do? First, he praises God for saving him from his enemies. Look at verse 58. O oh Lord, you have pleaded my soul's cause. You have redeemed my life. He praises God for saving him. When I suffer, whatever I'm going through, I should say to the Lord, you have redeemed my life. Whatever else I lose, whatever else I experience, whatever other sufferings come in my life, you have redeemed my life through the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Whatever else I don't have, I have this. I am saved. I am redeemed. I am washed in the blood of the Lamb. God was always with Jeremiah, even in the worst of his persecution. He pleaded his soul's cause. Notice the language here. You have pleaded my soul's cause. You see, when you suffer, it's on the inside. You struggle on the inside with your emotions and your mind and your desires and your affections. God was with him in his he pleaded, you have pleaded my soul's cause and God redeemed. He delivered Jeremiah from death over and over again. So he praises God for salvation. Secondly, he praises God for knowing and having awareness of the oppression of his enemies. So let's come back to it. When someone does us great harm, literally, when someone becomes an enemy and harms us, when we've not sought for it, when we were not uh, causing something, oh Lord, you have seen my oppression. You see, God sees everything. God sees what the righteous, how the righteous seek to live for him, not perfectly, but he also sees the unrighteous. He sees what they do. He sees how they mistreat the helpless. Those who are harmless, those who are innocent. God sees what's going on across the globe in our generation, just like He saw in Jeremiah's day. Nothing, nothing is beyond the eyes of God. 
He sees it all. He hears it all. He is completely aware of the great evil in our world. O Lord, you have pleaded my cause. You have redeemed my life. O Lord, you have seen my oppression. Judge my case. He says it like like, uh, Job. I want a day in court before God. I've not done anything. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. My suffering is not caused because of sin. I'm suffering in righteousness. And now Jeremiah says the same. Judge my cause. Look at my life. See what I've done. See that I've sought to live blamelessly. Jeremiah is not saying he is perfect. But he is appealing that he is suffering. He is suffering as a righteous man of God. He says here, you know, you see my persecutors. You have seen my oppression. And then he, you have seen all their vengeance and their schemes. I, I quote here from Jeremiah 18, 19. Do not uh, heed to me, O Lord. Do, do heed to me and listen to what my opponents are saying. Listen to me, he says, and listen to what my opponents are saying. And judge my cause. He asks God to judge his condition. When you're in suffering... When you're struggling, you must say to God, as, and this is, this is after a whole process. Again, I, my frustration is, is that you, know, you have to link all of the verses beginning in Lamentations 3.19 all the way through to see this, what we call holy lament. This is the outcome of it. He's finally now able to pray. And as he prays, he now praises God for salvation. He praises God for his awareness. He knows that God knows what he's going through. But what we say in our time is, well, God, you know what I'm going through. And why are you letting me go through this? Why do I have to suffer? Why do I have to have this in my life? Why do I have to have this with my children? Why does this have to go on? Rather than, as Jeremiah, this holy man of God says, you see it. You know it. You're aware of it. And you will judge my situation. <clears throat> my dear friends, <clears throat> the best place to be in our suffering is under the seeing eye of God, knowing that He knows all that we're going through. So Jeremiah praises God, number five, that he has heard the words also of his hate, his enemy and their hate. You have heard their reproach, O Lord, all their schemes against me. The lips of my assailants and their whispering are against me all day long. God hears the words of hatred from Jeremiah's enemies. And God hears the words of hatred that come from those who harm people even in our own day. God heard the constant words spoken against Jeremiah. Notice he says, all day long. You know, sometimes it's easier to have physical suffering, bodily suffering, than to have to be abused verbally all day long. Every day long. So this was Jeremiah's condition. This is a man of God in his suffering. But Jeremiah then thanks God because vengeance belongs to the Lord. I want you to read carefully now how Jeremiah says this. He speaks now and his prayer is very instructive. He says, um, he says now beginning in verse number 63, look on their sitting and their rising. That is, look at the way they live. I am their mocking song. Jeremiah was the joke. Jeremiah the prophet was the joke of Israel. He was the laughing stock. He was the one everyone made their jokes about. I am their mocking song. You... Notice he doesn't ask anything. He simply says what God will do. You will recompense them. That is, you will repay them, O Lord, according to the work of their hands. This is one of those great truths in the Word of God 
that we must grab hold of and understand. It is the, the vengeance of God. It is the vengeance of God. It is tied to the judgment of God. You will give them, what, what, do, they, what, do, these, what do these persecutors in their sinfulness and their unbelief, what do, they, what do they get? What is their repayment? Hard hearts. There's nothing sadder. There's nothing sadder than seeing a hard-hearted Christian. It's sad to see a hard-hearted sinner, but it's pitifully sad to see a hard-hearted Christian who says, like Laodicea, I have need of nothing. I don't need God. I don't need His help. This is the church. Hard-hearted, no emotion, no brokenness, no passion for souls, hardened by the culture and the lies of the evil one and the cares and work. There is nothing more pathetic than a hard-hearted Christian. You will give them hardness of heart. Oh, you know, friend, you don't want to be hard-hearted. You don't want to be hard-hearted. Let the plow of the Word of God plow up your heart. Do anything you can so that you don't become a way ground hearer. Remember what the Lord said? The seed was scattered on the road. It was so hard the birds came and picked the, the Word of God seeds up. Doesn't have any preaching to the hard-hearted is what Jeremiah did every day, all of his life. And none of the seeds of the Word of God grew in any of their souls. You will, you will give them hardness of heart. You will curse, your curse will be upon them. What did Moses say when he stood on the two mountains in Deuteronomy? He first declared, if you obey the Word of God, there are blessings. But then he went to the other side of the road on this mountain and said, but if you disobey, here are the curses. You see, the curse of God comes on disobedience to the Word of God and disobedience to God. You will pursue them in anger and destroy them from under the heavens, O Lord. Jeremiah asked for God to repay the persecutors according to the work of their hands hardness of heart, the curse or judgment of God on them, and the wrath of God to come. All he said was, you will repay them. So now we come to how we apply this in our lives for just a few minutes. What are some things we need to remember about this? This is such a very important topic. Sometimes people will read the Psalms and they'll read David and they'll read the Psalms and be troubled that David would as a righteous man call for the judgment of God on enemies in very harsh and hard words. Well, you see, he speaks as a prophet of God. Judgment comes on sin. So how do we deal with that? Do we smile and just pat people on the back and kind of act like everything's all good when it's not and we're lying? Or do we say, because we genuinely care, you must repent. You must repent. Judgment is coming. See, this is where it gets down to whether you really believe this stuff or not. Is this theory? Are we bringing our children along in all of this just because it's good culture and this is a good thing for them to do, to be moral? There is coming judgment. There is a repayment for all sinners who die without repentance. There is a second death coming. God's final payment for rebellion and disobedience to God is the second death. If I'm going to be a man of God and preach the Word of God, I must preach all of God's truth. 
Nobody, nobody, people say, Pastor Mike, you know, just talk about the love of God. Talk about the love of God reminds us that what happens when the love of God is rejected. God's wrath comes. That's why perhaps one of the most respected and intelligent, I mean, tremendous preachers in American history, Jonathan Edwards, was famous for preaching sinners in the hands of an angry God. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. You will recompense them, O Lord. So what do we do, my brothers and sisters? Well, what do we do toward... Now I'm back to you and the enemy who has hurt you. I'm talking about really hurt you. And they meant to do it. And they would have liked to have done even more to you. Well... Our Lord tells us, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Not pray for those who used to persecute you. Pray for those who persecute you. Present tense. So that you may be sons of your heavenly Father who is in heaven. For He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. Every day the sun comes up. What's it over here? Sun comes up. On evil, godless, wicked people who care nothing about God. They've never prayed a day in their life. They care less about the Bible or church. They think it's all ridiculous. Fool's tales. But the sun rises on God's blessed, wonderful people. And he sends the rain on them. The rain's coming tonight. We've been warned. The storms are coming. I stand here tonight in my own way to say... The judgment of God is coming. We pray for God's mercy on our enemies. Have mercy, Lord, on our enemies. We pray for God to forgive and save them. What did our Lord say? Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. But while He also hung on the cross, He finally said... While they were abusing and ridiculing him to the very end, while life flowed out of his body, he said, into your hands I commit my spirit. He died while being ferociously persecuted and ridiculed and crucified. While praying for them to be forgiven. And what happened to Jerusalem in 70 A.D.? The Romans had had enough and they completely destroyed the temple and all of Jerusalem. No stones were left on top of any. Complete destruction. 70 A.D. Accept your enemy's persecution without retaliation. This is one of those controversial things. Well, I'm going to hit back. I'm going to shoot them. I'm going to stab them. I'm going to abuse them. I'm going to do what they've done to me. Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other also. Whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him either. Whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. What did we see Jeremiah say in this very chapter? earlier in his suffering let him verse 30 chapter 3 give his cheek to the smiter let him be filled with reproach endure your enemy's persecution like the Lord Jesus O Lord remember me and take vengeance for me on my persecutors Jeremiah let him sit alone be silent let him put his mouth in the dust let him give his cheek to the smiter and those wonderful verses which are of such importance to every Christian in this room and here's my voice from Peter when he's talking about a suffering and righteousness for you have been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you leaving you an example to follow in his steps he committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, 
he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. Be silent in your persecution. Accept the persecution without retaliation. And trust God to judge those who persecute you. And then wait. You pray for their forgiveness. You pray every day for mercy on them. But you also know if there's no repentance, judgment is coming. Vengeance is mine and retribution. In due time their foot will slip. For the day of their calamity is near and the impending things are hastening upon them. Deuteronomy 32. Psalm 94, 1. O Lord, God of vengeance. What? Wait a minute. God of love, God of vengeance. O Lord, God of vengeance. God of vengeance, shine forth. Psalm 149. Let the high praise of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute on them the judgment written. This is an honor for all his godly ones. Praise the Lord. What did Paul say about Christians to the Corinthians when they were going to court with one another? Do you not know you will judge angels and the nations? Jeremiah 46, for that day belongs to the Lord God of hosts, a day of vengeance, so as to avenge himself of his foes. And what did Paul teach us? Never take your own revenge. Leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay. The Lord will judge his people. And as we finish tonight, We're reminded of these wonderful words as the Lord spoke to the church of Smyrna. Uh, I just read them to you. Revelation chapter 2. I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance. You cannot tolerate evil men. And you put to the test those who call themselves apostles and they are not. And you found them to be false. And you have perseverance This is what the Lord sees in His people. See, this is the Lord sees what's in His people when they suffer. And you have uh, perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. But I have this against you that you have left your first love. That's the Ephesian church. Then He comes in verse 8 to the angel, the church of Smyrna, the first, the last. I know your tribulation, I know your poverty. And the blasphemy by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison so that you will be tested. And you will have tribulation for ten days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Let him who has an ear hear. What the Spirit says to the churches, he who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, we are always grieved. We are hurt by our persecutors and those who harm us. And yet we pray for them. Forgive them of their sins. Forgive them for what they have done to us. Forgive them for how they have harmed us and sought to destroy us and to steal from us and to take from us and to abuse us physically and emotionally. We pray for their forgiveness by you and we pray for your mercy on them. They have not shown us mercy, but we pray for their mercy. We pray that you would keep us from retaliation. Pray that we might be like the Lord Jesus Christ and as Jeremiah who gave, who handed to you, he trusted you that you would deal with his persecutors in only the way you know how. How we pray for the salvation of millions of people on this planet 
so that they might not face eternal judgment. How we pray that the churches of the Lord Jesus Christ in this day and time would rise up, including us, and we would keep sharing the gospel as best we can with every person we come in contact with so that they might not stand before the great white throne judgment and then be cast away forever. We know that your vengeance is righteous. We know that your judgment is just. But we pray for mercy. We pray for mercy on the enemies of your church. All across this world, we pray for our Christian friends who suffer all around the world tonight. We don't understand it. We have been blessed by our freedom. We pray for them and we pray for their enemies that they might be stopped and that many of them would turn and come to salvation in Jesus Christ. We thank you for Jeremiah. And I thank you for my brothers and sisters who are here and those who are listening to us. May we take these things to heart and may we consider how we're doing in our own personal lives in relationship to praying for our enemies. Help us to pray for our enemies like Jesus and be your people in the world for the glory of God, to the praise of the glory of your grace. The Lord is near to the door and we pray, come Lord Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. God bless you. Great to see all of you tonight. Lord willing, hope to see you Sunday. Say hello to somebody here tonight if you don't know them. And we'll continue Sunday, Lord willing, looking together at uh, the Lord's Prayer. Have a great evening. God bless you.